0: So climate smart to the USDA, and I think the regenerative movement is really confused about this. They're saying, we're gonna go out and we're gonna get measurements. And they're not looking at the systems anymore. They're saying, we want proof that you're climate smart. Organic has always been based on systems, the soil health and pasturing systems that we have in place that mitigate the need for any chemicals in the first place. And so the big red flag for me here is, you know, and, and people who are young and excited about regenerative because they don't need to go out and get a certification, they're saying, well, it's so great because we need to prove that we're, we're being climate smart now and we'll go out and we'll get our, our soil, uh, soil organic matter, we'll test it and we'll prove what we're doing. First of all, if you send the same soil sample to different labs, you're gonna get different results. When you test in the field, where are you gonna take that sample from? If you look at our farms, they are way too complex to measure. You know, our farms are beautiful and they are complicated and there's a different history in every row. Um, So the USDA is right. This is too complex to measure, but that is the reason why we should get this funding. Welcome to The Real Organic Podcast. I'm Lindley Dixon, co-director of The Real Organic Project. We're a grassroots, farmer-led movement with an add-on organic food label to distinguish organic crops grown in healthy soils and organic livestock raised on well-managed pasture. You just heard a quick clip from a recent talk I gave at EcoFarm about the potentially disastrous path we're on here in the US as our government awards big money to chemically-intensive industrial farming operations who've managed to rename and rebrand themselves as climate smart. This deception is at the heart of this year's Real Organic Virtual Symposium, which is underway right now. You can still get tickets to our online event at realorganicsymposium.org to learn more about how big corporations are using historically proven greenwashing techniques to weaken and attack organic practices, especially things like incorporating cover crops the tillage that has raised organic matter over time and that organic farmers depend on. You'll hear from author Michael Pollan, chef Dan Barber, soil scientist Dr. Will Britton, and organic farmers like Elliot Coleman, Scott Park, Phil Foster, Emily Oakley, and so many more. You'll have breakout sessions and a lively chat as the footage rolls. I hope you'll join us. Now let's return to my short TED-style talk. It was recorded just a few weeks ago at this year's Ecofarm Conference. Um, When all of this started for me five years ago I was, I considered myself a beginning farmer at that time and my my body was beginning to hurt. It was starting to break. I have the passion that you've felt in this room today that all of the farmers share and uh i just couldn't do it anymore so i uh, fell back on my academic background and and looked for a job and i worked for um, an organization that was an ngo that fought in those national organic standards board meetings for greater integrity and i wondered where all the farmers were so you can imagine how excited I was when the 2017 vote came around and all of a sudden all the farmers showed up. Um, and that uh, that passion that was there at that meeting has continued on in spite of the losses. And um, I've had the uh, tremendous privilege. I think I won the lottery. Uh, there's thousands of beginning farmers who, would give anything to have the job that I have to learn from the founders and the the pioneers that started this organic movement. And I wanna share to you, uh, with you today, what I've learned uh, from all of them, and then also talking to so many young farmers who've joined this movement. Um, But I kinda wanted to start with this guy because I actually, after leaving academia, had um, an opportunity to join Syngenta. I had um, just won the graduate student award of the year and a guy from Syngenta was in the back of the room and he offered me a, a gorgeous six-figure uh, salary to live in Vero Beach. And um, my husband is a marine biologist and we could have had a boat and, and had a beautiful life. And uh, you know, we joke and we look back on that day and say, well, what if? And what if would have meant you know, chemical trials. I would have used the statistics I learned to test chemicals on different plants and collect data. And um, maybe we could have ridden that boat, but I think we're all searching right now for meaning. And uh, you, you couldn't ask for a more principled, hardworking group of people um, and the, that founded the organic movement. And it's just so exciting that as they're reaching the end of their farming careers, they're looking back on their life's work and they don't wanna lose it. And they're reaching out to those young farmers and, and desperately trying to explain to them what we've created because so many of them do see the corruption and the paperwork trail and they're not identifying with organic. And so this is a call back to them saying, you know we are you you're with us we're all in this together and there really aren't any better options out there and i want to start on why that is so this is the ceo of the chemical company syngenta we don't need to know his name because another one if this guy develops a conscience another one will you know they'll replace him Um, he recently called for an end to organic farming he said that and there, there was a nature uh, study to back back this claim that there's 50% lower yields. I don't think that's what the nature study said, but that's what he said. There's lower yields is what the nature study said. And because of that, the nature study was explaining that, well, we need less, we're going to need more farmland because there's lower yields. Um, he said people are starving in Africa because we're eating more and more organic food. I want to explain to you how that nature study was incorrect. They weren't thinking about the full picture, but this is also why this uh, Syngenta guy is incorrect. Um, He's basically saying that because, well, and it's also what's been guiding USDA organic policy for decades, which is that if we just produce more food all under the banner of feed the world, right? We'll have less and less hungry people, but we've been producing more and more food and we keep having more and more hungry people. So we all know that it's not because of not enough food that there's hunger in the world, it's because of a lack of distribution and these are issues of social justice. So it's really important when a statement like this gets made that we react to it. I'm mostly bringing this up because after criticizing Organic, bashing it, saying it's why people are hungry, he then went on to say, but there's another way. We're gonna advocate for regenerative agriculture that uses some organic farming techniques along with pesticides. I'd like to thank him, first of all, for acknowledging that it was organic agriculture that kept these techniques alive because sometimes people forget that. But we really need to be aware that this is what regenerative farming looks like now. To the industry, commodity production becomes regenerative with the addition of cover crops but they're terminated with herbicides under the banner of chemical no-till, which is now climate smart, according to the USDA. And, And they're funding this, and this is on top of all of the other incentives that the USDA gives to chemical commodity agriculture. So we really don't stand a chance. There's one farmer who said to me, if we just pulled the plug on the USDA, we can stand a chance to compete, but they just keep funding all the wrong projects. I also heard from a scientist that was talking about what this chemical no-till is doing. Uh, We don't really know, it's a very new practice, but we're starting to see soil acidification and then there's cracks building up in the soils. The fertilizer just gets applied on the surface and so the runoff has never been greater. And because of those cracks, the fertilizer runs down the cracks straight down to the drainage tiles. And we'd never seen eutrophication in the waterways as bad as we're seeing right now. It was better under regular chemical commodity agriculture, no till it's getting worse. So now we live in a world where the chemical companies are attacking Gannett, but they're joining the regenerative movement. And that's because their version of regenerative helps them to sell more chemicals. It's very calculated and timely. Sorry, this is supposed to go with the last one. If you can't beat them, join them. Someone brought that up earlier. So they're joining regenerative, but they're still attacking organic. So in my opinion, when Syngenta attacks organic, it's good news. So the USDA just gave out $3.1 billion. You heard about this from Francis. It's, it's to develop a brand new label called Climate Smart. I've just listed a few of the recipients, but if you all wanna get really, um, active and get that fire in your belly, please go look at who got that $3.1 million. Bayer, Driscoll's, PepsiCo, Cargill, Tyson, McDonald's, Walmart. The depressing list, it goes on and on. Um, When we, Real Organic Project, looked into applying for these funds, we were told our farms are too complex to measure. This is really important. What makes more sense to you Do you give money to the worst climate offenders and hope that they go against their profit models? Or do you give money to support more of what is already working? So climate smart to the USDA, and I think the regenerative movement is really confused about this. They're saying we're gonna go out and we're gonna get measurements. And they're not looking at the systems anymore. They're saying we want proof that you're climate smart. Organic has always been based on systems. The soil health and pasturing systems that we have in place that mitigate the need for any chemicals in the first place. And so the big red flag for me here is you know and and people who are young and excited about regenerative because they don't need to go out and get a certification, they're saying, well it's so great because we need to prove that we're, we're being climate smart now and we'll go out and we'll get our, our soil uh, soil organic matter, we'll test it and we'll prove what we're doing. First of all, if you send the same soil sample to different labs, you're going to get different results. When you (laughs) test in the field, where are you going to take that sample from? If you look at our farms, they are way too complex to measure. You know, our farms are beautiful and they are complicated and there's a different history in every row. So the USDA is right, this is too complex to measure, but that is the reason why we should get this funding. So the big red flag for me and their measurements is all of the data that they're leaving out, right? All of those hidden costs. So what number do they plug in to account for all of that fertilizer runoff and all that eutrophication? There's no number for that. What number do they plug in when they come through with that herbicide to kill off the cover crop instead of tilling that organic matter under And now that completely changes the soil life, right? I mean, they're right, that is too complex to measure. So, I looked at some of these projects. This is what climate smart uh, funding looks like to the USDA. This is $85 million to reduce the methane coming off of these manure lagoons from cattle in confinement. How about no manure lagoons? Why can't we just pay farmers to pasture their cattle and compost winter bedding? These are the systems that real organic farmers are doing for free right now. So why aren't we paying them to incentivize more and more of these practices? So more people can do them. Um, I got this one from Francis. Let's be clear, climate smart, is when the animals move about to their feed and the feed stays in place. It's, it's just so obvious. So the entire National Organic Program budget is $20 million. This project is getting four times the entire budget of the National Organic Program, even with all its problems. Um, I bet you're all aching to buy some climate smart milk right now. What do you think is going to be on the cover of that carton? You think it's going to be a picture of the little bit less methane that's coming off of their manure lagoons? Or is it going to be a picture of a cow on pasture? And there will probably be the motto that says, our milk comes from family farms. Those words aren't regulated. So this is why we are standing with organic. my time's half gone. I could probably go on about this climate smart funding and maybe we should do it during the conference. This project pays to plant cover crops great, but it pays farmers to then harvest the cover crops, take it to an anaerobic digester and to produce liquid fertilizer and biogas. It's like cover crops are to increase the fertility of the soil for the next crop so that you don't need that fertilizer. Right? It takes gas to <laughs> harvest the cover crops, bring it to a biodigester, and then bring the fertilizer back to the farm. It's absolutely insane. This is Emily Oakley's farm. We all learned what we do, what we're supposed to do with cover crops. Um, I just am floored by uh, the lack of understanding by our policymakers about what we as organic farmers do. They are complicating something that's so simple And it makes you wonder why. And it's because, oh gosh, I keep transferring my slides. Okay, this is what Emily does. This is something so simple and effective, but nobody is making money from it, except for the the organic farmer. So that's why you're not gonna see the USDA supporting it, right, there's nobody lobbying there because the biogas industry wants to get some money, right? And the fertilizer company wants to get some, some money from this system. Just the farmer is profiting from this. Um, this this was one of my heroes and I've had the privilege of getting to meet Elliot Coleman. And he said, where is the outrage in your generation? And so I just want to show him that I am outraged. And I know a lot of other organic farmers that are too. Uh, this is just before we lost the vote for soil as the foundation for organic farming. And I wanted to say that when we, As organic farmers, and I've learned all this from talking to farmers across the country, when we gave up that word organic to the government, we did save it from that extreme co-opting that's going on with the word regenerative right now, but we didn't foresee the loss of the foundation of what it means to be organic. And if you go back to that Organic Foods Production Act, you will see soil written all over it. It is what we are all about. So Jennifer Taylor told us, all right, they own you USDA organic, but they don't own the movement. So you'll often hear about that difference, right? The industry versus the movement. And I just wanna explain one of the techniques, if you have a split line, you're just a little bit organic and then the rest is conventional. What you can do is drop the price of your organic line below the cost of production. It's only 14% of this company's um, line is is organic you raise the price of your conventional line even still even if you don't you're still profiting from it and then you drive everybody else out of competition here's the movement right these are the farmers that (laughs) along with the organic eaters everybody here in this room um, the ngos that lobby for stricter standards uh, we've been losing but i have to say that when soil came into question the strength and the power of that organic movement has really gotten a fire in their belly. And this is part of our reawakening. This is the Real Organic Standards Board that met uh, right after that loss to create standards that uh, were basically cover everything that the USDA has been failing us for. And and these are people that really walk the walk and have lived their values and um, I'm just so grateful to be working and interacting with these folks on a daily basis. I wanna teach you a little bit about what I've learned uh, during the last five years visiting their farms. I was so lucky to implement uh, those standards across the country on 60 pilot farms. This is Liz Grasnek is now on the NOSB um, and uh, I talked to them, I learned a lot. I learned that organic uh, pastured poultry can be done at scale, but that we're losing it because everybody is saying, well, we feed our chickens non-GMO grain, right? That means something. Well, no, it doesn't. It's the exact same thing as chemical grain. So we need to be really clear and stand behind organic because uh, we're we're losing it. Um, And even those farmers that are pasturing their poultry and and using the word non-gMO for their chemical grain, they're doing so because organic has lost meaning for poultry. So the stricter our standards are, um, the more that these types of farms can flourish and and reproduce. We just we lose them if we don't stand by them in poultry. You saw the pictures of herbrocks right, the double story, uh, multi-millions of birds are on that property, that's what organic eggs are now and that's why there's very few uh, operators left like Cameron Mulberg. I learned that an egg is not an egg. So this is a real organic egg on the right and uh, this is an egg from a carton that said pastured. I don't know what that means because the word pastured is not regulated by the government. Right? So organic has meaning. Pasture is often just bare dirt. Um, and we learn this as we go visit farms, we have a 15% rejection rate at the real organic project. Um, and I talk to other certification agencies. I say, you know, what's your rejection rate? And it's like less than 1%. So we actually have really strict standards and we are not afraid to enforce them. I also learned from talking to so many of the organic pioneers that they had to figure out how to farm organically without any support, and you've heard that today. Um, You know, just what a struggle it was. And so after getting this far, after you know we've got a over $60 billion industry right now, we can't just walk away from that. If we start over with another word, it's just such a long walk to get back to where we are. Emily Oakley said it best when I was on the road. Uh, she didn't think that abandoning organic was the best strategy at the time. Uh, she said we would sacrifice the world, the word, and the world, but the word that we've built up for the last 80 years and explain to the eaters uh, what it means and what we're doing. And to abandon it would mean handing the word over on a silver platter to the same folks that took it from us to the industry. This is Velika's farm i learned that real organic is about so much more than good food and uh producing a good crop it's also about land stewardship Um, the ecosystem services that are too complex to measure are so much a part of uh, what we do and it's why that nature paper looked at a farm like velikis who plants 30 foot wide strips of um wild perennial habitat so that all the migrating birds have a place to nest. And so that there are 140 foot strips of crop, there's a place for the animals to run to when the plow comes through. And scientists look at this and say, well, this is less productive per acre. And so how do you put a value on this land, this type of land stewardship? There's just so much value beyond yield that we're not looking at. And it's pretty upsetting coming from academia to see a study like that in nature. Uh, Glen Elzinga, the simple decision of keeping cattle out of riparian areas has all of these cascading effects. 40,000 acres, he will run the cattle for three minutes. He's got a herd, it's called inherding. He sleeps with the cows, with his family. He keeps it so that they they run through in about th- three minutes, and and he won't revisit for seven years. And this is what keeps the grasslands from turning over to sagebrush, in these delicate areas. And the simple decision of keeping the the cattle out of the riparian areas means that there's all these cascades. So he's he gets um native fish come back because the beavers came back because the trees grew back. And because there's native fish, there's bears and moose and, and, um, the mountain lions. So, so just the one decision of, I'm, I'm not going to let my cattle ruin the riparian areas has it heals 40,000 acres. Real organic is about so much more than growing good food too. It's also about the communities that we built. I learned from, Paul Beckford, the importance of passing our farms onto the next generation, regardless of whether or not they're related to us. This is a beautiful story. We now have a thousand farms that are certified with us across the country. And I just gave you a few of the lessons that I've learned from them. Uh, They all have their lessons. Every single one of those farms is as different as the farmers that manage and and steward that land. Um, And we've learned about, the issues around the world. Oops, sorry. There's the thousand farms. We've learned about the, the issues, um, around the world. And it's really important that we stick together through all of this because as soon as the industry, you know, breaks their way into the U S rules, they're doing the same things in Europe. There's pressure there. And if we talk to each other, we don't get fooled by their messaging because they're really good at lying to us. And, and that's what we learned when we went to Europe and started talking to them. They said, Oh, you guys aren't, Uh, supporting hydroponic in that country. But meanwhile, there was a quiet takeover. I just wanna say that we are so much more than a label. Uh, We do so much, we send out these weekly newsletters. Please tell your friends to subscribe and read them. We have book clubs um, that are so fun uh, and and such incredible authors are, are sharing their wisdom we have a really popular podcast it's so easy to just listen and then text your friends your favorite ones so that our movement can continue growing and just yesterday uh, we have started to have uh farmer to farmer exchanges so javier if he's still here actually uh we had 80 farmers come to this farmer to farmer sign up to learn um from javier and katrina how to farm we have a symposia another virtual symposia is coming up in a month um and you know this one's going to be about what do we do about the fact that all of our organic uh, friends out there are calling themselves regenerative now and and how's that going to work out from them for them so we can share what we've learned uh you know over so many farmers lifetimes about uh, the co-option process and and what to do about it we can't we can't lose our friends uh finally i just want to end with the story that one farmer uh said at best he said you know, I think real organic means something different to every farmer that we visit. And I completely agree with them after talking uh, to so many of them. And he said, the R for me stands for relationships and that's what you're bringing back to organic. So thank you all for being here. Um, and let's, let's see if we can make this movement uh, become the way that the USDA supports farming, the way that farming is because that, uh, in, in the honor of how Hugh ended his talk, that, that is our ultimate mission here. This is not a battle over language. Um, it's a battle for our planet. And, and you all know that. That's why you're here. So let's make sure this movement grows. Thank you for listening to The Real Organic Podcast. We hope that you'll subscribe, share the link with your friends, and leave us a rating and a review so that others can find us. A video version of this interview is found at realorganicproject.org and by following our YouTube channel. Please join us next time when our guest will be soil scientist, Dr. Will Britton. If you caught our recent symposium, you've heard Will's concerns about the way we described carbon sequestration and its ability to be measured, a way that he believes is misleading enough to hamper positive and possible change. It's not too late to buy a ticket to this event and you'll get a replay link from last Sunday And then this Sunday, you can join us live. You can learn more about this at realorganicsymposium.org. We hope to see you there.